going on, family? Happy Monday, and welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. It's your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. Hope you had an amazing weekend, and you're ready to tackle another week. It's a big week, of course, in the world of pro wrestling, as we are gearing up for the Royal Rumble, WWE's first pay-per-view of the year, and one of its longest-running pay-per-views of the year. So uh, I hope you're ready. It's a fun time for us as wrestling fans shout out to all of you who join us on social media facebook instagram and twitter at the faction show we certainly appreciate you big shouts to everyone who was listening to us right now and who is subscribed to our podcast if you're not subscribed it's super easy to do. Just click that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us right now. And while you're doing that, go ahead and rate us and leave a comment as well. We certainly appreciate that. All right, so there's a lot of news to get to. Let's kick it off as we always do on Mondays with the ratings from this weekend's SmackDown. This Friday's episode of SmackDown drew an average of 2.282 million viewers. Now, that is up from last week's 2.153 million viewers by about 130,000 viewers. So that's a big deal. And uh, if you're watching, ever since the top of the year, SmackDown has been on an incredible climb. They have grown in the ratings every single week since the top of 2021. And here's another big thing, and this may be even bigger than the ratings itself. Usually what happens from hour one to hour two, there is a significant drop in viewers. We see that on all WWE programming, Raw, SmackDown, NXT. And what that speaks to is you can get folks in the door, but you may not be able to keep them in the door. And again, you know, people have short attention spans, etc., etc., etc. Well, this week for SmackDown, the first hour had 2.284 million viewers, and they only lost 4,000 viewers going into hour two. That's huge that means you've managed to hook them from the start until the finish and let's think about it they did some unusual things in this you had a rare intergender match in wwe and you really have to go back many many years definitely over a decade or so to look at the last intergender match you had in wwe but that took place between sasha banks and reginald the sommelier of carmella and it was an actual match it was pretty intriguing to say the least but of course the program started with Roman Reigns um, cutting quite the promo and I thought it was really interesting too as he had to catch himself from not actually saying the words COVID-19 it was pretty powerful to see that but then we walked away with what looked like Adam Pearce versus Paul Heyman a match we've never seen, a match we didn't think we would see, and we all wanted to see, was this actually going to happen? And honestly, it took me back to, and I hear Brandon Clack already, it took me back to the Attitude Era, right? The Attitude Era where things were unpredictable, where the night would start one way, and you'd get a crazy match, and by the end, you had to see how it was all going to end. That's what it feels like on SmackDown. And it feels that way versus Raw, which obviously Raw is a longer show, and it's hard to keep that kind of momentum up. But there's something in the water on SmackDown, and it proved to be a big 
deal. So congratulations to SmackDown. SmackDown, who now is regularly pulling uh, over 300,000 viewers more than they did at the top of the year. That, of course, is taking us into the Royal Rumble. You've got to know this Friday show, the go-home show, is going to be a big one, to say the least. Don't know all that's going to happen yet, but you don't need to know. You know that you want to watch. And I'll go so far as to say this. I think that as we're going into the Royal Rumble, you can now point to a few figures that could actually win. There had been a lot of scuttlebutt about this being Daniel Bryan's year, but you could really make an argument on behalf of Cesaro, on behalf of Shinsuke Nakamura. There are folks who are really starting to gain momentum heading into the Men's Royal Rumble. And on the women's side, you've got Bianca Belair. I said last week that I think Alexa Bliss could be a real dark horse, but you also have to consider Bailey. You have to consider Charlotte Flair. There's a lot to consider going into the Royal Rumble for the men and the women. And that's a good thing because that is going to pique your interest to checking out the Royal Rumble on the WWE Network. And speaking of the WWE Network, you want to talk about news. You want to talk about a, a, a big ticket item here. Well, I've got a big ticket item for you. As reports have come out today that uh, a deal has been reached between the WWE Network and NBC's Peacock streaming service. So the deal looks like this. There's going to be a partnership between WWE and NBC Universal that will give Peacock exclusive rights to the WWE Network in the United States. Now, let's go back in time. Let's go back about 30 years ago or so to the relationship that WWE and NBC has. And really, it's more like 35 years ago when you consider uh, the very first Saturday night's main event that took place around 1985, 86 or so. And that was part of the brainchild and partnership of Dick Ebersol and NBC and Vince McMahon and WWE. We would see Saturday night's main event get a pretty solid run uh, for quite some time and of course we saw one of the biggest moments uh, as they did WWE on Friday night primetime and they called it the big event and it featured Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant the rematch from Wrestlemania 3 this was 1988 and this proved to be the setup for Wrestlemania 4 that brought us the big tournament the one night tournament for the wwe championship only time that's happened at a wrestlemania so this partnership between nbc and wwe has gone on for quite some time with nbc purchasing usa that has certainly continued um and so of course we saw smackdown on usa on sci-fi on a few other places as part of this nbc partnership now this partnership moves to the WWE Network. It is a five-year deal that nets the WWE $1 billion. That's with a B, $1 billion. And the first bit that we're going to see relative to this is going to be on March 21st, the Fastlane pay-per-view, which will be streamed exclusively on the Peacock Network. Now... This is major because if you remember, it was 2014 that we saw the launch of the WWE Network, February of 2014, and the first event shown there was a live event from NXT. 
an NXT takeover, dare I say. So that's a big deal. Um, the WWE Network has been going on for seven years. They reached the one million subscribers piece very fast, but one thing they were unable to do was get to two million subscribers and stay there. So the WWE Network has gone through all sorts of changes, including the free WWE Network. And so uh, they've also been very quiet about what those numbers look like. So the last bit of numbers we can tell you about um, goes back to the first quarter of 2020, where as of April 6 in 2020, they had a total of 2.1 million subscribers. But for the entire quarter, they had an average of 1.46 million paid subscribers and 640,000 free subscribers. So let's put that in perspective. They want to be able to say that they have 2 million subscribers. So what they did was they opened up the free WWE Network, right? That doesn't allow you to check out pay-per-views. There is some content that, of course, is restricted for the paid subscriber. But honestly, if you go back to that time last year where they began offering the free WWE Network, it really did start to cause from a business perspective you to ask questions. Because think about it, streaming services like Hulu, like Netflix, um, like any other major streaming service does not have a quote unquote free component. You're going to have to pay something to get access to that content. So this causes us to ask a lot of questions. And so consider this, and this is an important detail. So according to Joe Flint of the Wall Street Journal, he says that under this agreement, WWE will shut down its WWE Network streaming service in the US in mid-March. And Peacock will license the programming, including the popular WrestleMania franchise for its own platform. So what this means for those of us here in the United States is if you are a subscriber to the WWE Network, the network as you know it ends in mid-March and it will transition over to Peacock. Now it's interesting because you may have seen um, over the last few months WWE advertising their product on Peacock, meaning they already had a number of specials over there, a number of content available on the Peacock network. Well now it's all going over there and that transition happens mid-March in time for the Fastlane pay-per-view on March the 21st and this also means the two-day WrestleMania is going to be airing on the Peacock Network. Now, let me also say this, and I think this is what's super intriguing about this. From a business perspective, it's a smart move. If you have a product or an entity that is not yielding the kinds of results that you project, you have to make a move. And a lot of us had questions about whether or not the WWE Network would be successful for this primary reason. It seemingly was an amazing draw for fans, where fans once paid $49.99 a month for a pay-per-view, now they can pay $9.99 a month and get access to all of WWE's pay-per-view library, along with ECW, WCW, and of course you get all the WWE pay-per-views included in that $9.99 a month. Couple that with additional content like NXT, and then you had shows like Legends House, and then the content kept growing. But as the content continued to grow, the subscriber numbers did not. So it was going to take a while, just mathematically speaking, for WWE to bring in the same kind of numbers they brought in uh, relative 
to a $49.99 pay-per-view. So let's just say, right, you were paying $50 a month for a pay-per-view and you had 600,000 buys, okay? So if you have 1 million buys of the 9.99 WWE Network per month, you're not even close to breaking even to what you made with the WWE Network. So I get it, right? And Vince McMahon is a businessman. And let's face it, there have been some deals that Vince McMahon, the WWE, have brokered over the last few years that should clearly show you that Vince McMahon and the WWE are going to hang where the money resides. That's where they're going to be, whether it was the controversial deal with Saudi Arabia that netted them around $40 million a pop, or it was the deal that put WWE on Fox for a billion dollars or WWE Raw for another billion dollars. Think about that. In the last five years, WWE honestly has more than made up for their numbers uh, with the WWE Network because of these other TV deals. Moving the network to Peacock from a business perspective is great strategy. From a content perspective, it does make you wonder how much longer is Vince McMahon going to be committed to owning the WWE? He, Triple H, Stephanie have all sold a significant amount of stock to make a significant amount of money. And if you think about it, the whole reason that Vince McMahon rechristened the term pro wrestling into sports entertainment was for money. He wanted to make this product more attractive to advertisers. And at the time, the demographic and perspective and viewpoint of pro wrestling was something that would be in armories and something that would be in the backwoods, not necessarily something that could go to Wall Street. So he looked to change that image to make it more lucrative. Right or wrong, from a financial perspective, it's a great thing. However, many argue about the content being watered down, that WWE isn't what it used to be. And of course, we talked about The Undertaker even saying things like, you know, the product is soft. Well, the product seemingly is soft because you have advertisers to pay attention to. You have stockholders to consider, which is not something you have to do with a privately owned company. And there's no way that after you get accustomed to these kinds of numbers, which let's be honest, you're not seeing anywhere else in pro wrestling, um, you're not going to go back, quote unquote, for the love of the sport. So with that said, this move becomes even more interesting and couple that with the WWE, of course, was looking to see what the NFL would do for the Super Bowl and its handling of fans. The Super Bowl will be in Tampa Bay at Raymond James Stadium, the same place that WrestleMania will be two months following the Super Bowl. Well, if you've watched the playoffs in the NFL, you'll see that there are fans. There are increasing numbers of fans, and these arenas are able to do that. So here's something that's very interesting. The NFL has been making a decision in terms of how many fans will be allowed to attend the Super Bowl. So Raymond James Stadium in its current configuration is capable of seating 65,000 
890 fans. The Super Bowl will be the least attended Super Bowl ever for obvious reasons, but the Super Bowl will accommodate 22,000 fans. And this is how that's going to break down. It's going to break down to 14,500 fans allowed with paid attendance and then 7,500 free tickets for vaccinated healthcare workers. Now, that's amazing for the Super Bowl and shout out to the Super Bowl. That is providing the guide for what WWE wants to do at Raymond James Stadium. Now, it's reported that WWE wants to bring in 30,000 fans each night for WrestleMania. Now, how that's going to break down, I don't know. I don't know if, if it's going to break down similar to what the Super Bowl has done in terms of a certain percentage of vaccinated healthcare workers and a certain number in paid attendance. But that's what the NFL is going to do. WWE is reporting that they will have somewhere around 30,000 fans, or at least that's the desire or the expectation. So let's put this in perspective. The NFL is looking to have Raymond James Stadium at a roughly one third capacity. WWE is potentially looking at having it at one half capacity. But there's one other thing we got to throw in there. And I hope you guys don't mind this analysis here, but I think it's important. It's important to note that what WWE was going to do in terms of capacity for Raymond James Stadium initially was 80,000 fans. Now, why is that number different than the 65,000 that Raymond James is slated to hold? That's because that is counting the amount of seats that are in the stands. WrestleMania, of course, is going to have a percentage of seats on the floor. So that adds to the capacity of Raymond James. So that means 30,000 fans in comparison to 80,000 fans, which is more than a third of the WrestleMania potential capacity, which means <laughs> you've gotten a math class today. I know. Here's what this means. This means percentage wise, WWE is looking to bring in more people than the NFL Super Bowl. WrestleMania wants to house more people than the Super Bowl. Will this be safe? That's a great question. And that's going to be up to WWE to ensure that that happens. But here's why that's important for WWE. 30,000 fans for whatever percentage is paying is going to be more money brought in on any event than WWE has had in over a year. They have not had a live event since March of 2020. So that means that the WWE has a chance to make all kinds of money surrounding this. Whether it's money at the gate for WrestleMania or money from this $1 billion deal, which equates to about $200 million a year, WWE is getting paid. And that's what they wanted. So this is going to be interesting. I want to get your thoughts on uh, WrestleMania bringing in 30,000 fans per night and the WWE Network moving to Peacock. Let's talk about that by way of social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. I apologize. Our show went a little long today, but I think it's some valuable insight and commentary that's going to help you understand why this deal is so important. So take a look at that, take a listen to that, and I hope you uh, enjoy it for sure. Want to get your commentary on that? Again, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Faction Show. Also want to remind you, it is Royal Rumble week, so this week we will be dedicating some time to talk about the Royal Rumble past 
present and what we could expect for the future. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we've got more Lucha Underground coming your way this week and more. So strap on your seatbelts. It's going to be an amazing week here at The Faction. Until next time, it's your man GB, Gerard Bonner, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. Collectively, we're known as The Faction. I need my pain.